Hey, welcome to ACF Church, and we're so glad that you're with us watching this message online. And our hope is that it would encourage you to be more like Jesus and walk closely with Him as an apprentice of Christ. And our hope is to give away all of these resources for free as much as possible. It takes a lot of time and energy and people to make that happen. And if you'd like to support the mission of God financially for ACF Church, you can go to acfak.org and you can give there. Now enjoy the Word of God proclaimed. Well, hey, ACF Church, welcome to Good Friday. This is our chance to slow down, which for some of you, you're thinking, I've had plenty of time to slow down, but this is an opportunity for us to prepare our minds and our hearts and our spirits and our families uh, for Easter Sunday. Really, it's, it's a big moment for us to slow down and consider what the price was that was paid for us. And then Easter Sunday takes on a completely different feel when we've recognized what Good Friday is all about. So I want to start off today in Luke chapter 22, verse 7. It says this, Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat it. They said to him, Where will you have us prepare it? And he said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters. And tell the master of the house, the teacher says to you, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there. And they went and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. Let me pray for us as we start off here today. Jesus We recognize that you stretched out your arms of love upon the hardwood of the cross that everyone might come within reach of your saving embrace. God, we ask that you clothe us in your spirit, that we reaching forth our hands in love may bring those who don't know you into the knowledge and love of you. We pray this for the honor of your name and out of gratitude for your sacrifice. Amen. So as we start off, in this conversation here this evening. I want to talk about being in the waiting. It's interesting, we've kind of found ourselves in a season where we're all waiting. It's kind of like the waiting room of life right now. And if there's one thing most of us hate, it's waiting rooms, right? The chairs are uncomfortable and it's it's a place that we don't want to spend much time in. There's something on the TV that nobody really cares to watch. And typically the weather outside is incredible, right? So everything looks great on the outside, yet we're stuck in the waiting. Maybe you've been in a hospital waiting room. Uh, In Alaska, we get our tires changed over, so you find yourself uh, in a waiting room then, right? I remember as a a kid, I spent some time waiting outside the principal's office, right? And and thinking, okay, what's coming for me? Uh, Why did I get called down here? Actually, normally I knew exactly why I got called down there. But if you've ever spent any significant time in a waiting room, you know the one question is, when is it my turn? Like, is it my turn yet? Can, can I get called up yet? Can, can my circumstances change because I want to get out of the waiting room? Typically, we don't want to spend any more time than we have to in the waiting room. So what is it that you're waiting on right now? I mean, some of you, uh, through the current situation that we're in, you've lost 
a job and, and maybe you're waiting on another job and you're waiting for the right opportunity to come your way and try to figure out how to provide for yourself and, and maybe for your family. I know most of us, all of us are probably to some degree waiting for the economy to recover and to rebuild. Maybe you're waiting on your retirement fund to start bouncing back. You're going to have to probably keep waiting on that one a little bit. Maybe you've been waiting on a relationship. And you've been waiting for that right guy or that right girl. And all your friends are getting married. You've been the bridesmaid. You've been the groomsman. And you're like, when is it my turn? Is it my opportunity to move out of the waiting room? Some of you, uh, many of our friends, are waiting on a child. For years, you've been praying to get pregnant, to have a child. And here you find yourself waiting for God to bless you with an opportunity to raise a child. And you sit and you wait. And you wonder, what is the purpose of all of this? And and, and what I know is, in the midst of the waiting room, the last thing you want to hear from me is, just be patient. It's going to build your character. It's going to make you better. I mean, that's the last thing we really want to hear in the waiting room because there's frustration in the waiting. A lot of times there's anger with people in the waiting. Sometimes there's anger with God. There's jealousy. There's a loss of hope that we find in the waiting. So I think in one way or another, we're all in the waiting room right now. Um, Recently, a friend of mine was texting and and just saying that there had been a a change to his deployment, her husband's deployment, and that he wasn't going to be able to come back uh, for a little bit longer now. And so she finds herself working through this situation that we find ourselves in, in the waiting, with to some degree no end in sight. So that's the next question. What do we do when there's no end in sight? Another friend of mine, uh, his wife, had been diagnosed with cancer, went in for some tests, and he was sitting there. I I was texting him, asking him how he was doing, and and he said, I'm just waiting on answers. All I want to do is find out what is next for my family. I mean, what do we do when the outcome doesn't feel like a guarantee? What do we do when we don't know what's coming? And so bringing this back to Good Friday, Good Friday was the moment the whole world was waiting for, but it left the whole world waiting. This was the moment Jesus went to the cross. The Savior had come and and he was doing the work that he had set out to do, yet there was confusion, there was fear. We know that the disciples and and many of his followers, most of his followers dispersed. They, They spread out across the countryside. Because they didn't know what was coming next. It was the moment the whole world was waiting for, but it left the whole world waiting. Now, for me this year, Good Friday takes on a whole new punch because I think in previous years when I celebrate Good Friday, we always know that Easter's coming, right? Like we always know, like, okay, that's fine. We'll, we'll kind of slow down for a moment and, and recognize the cross. But Jesus is alive. Jesus is coming back. But the truth is, his people didn't know that. They didn't get it yet. They didn't know quite yet that Jesus in just a few days would return victorious over death and over sin. So here's a question for you. What would Good Friday be like if there was no end in sight? And the question that we're all asking right now, even today in our current situation, is when are things going to change? When is it my turn to get out of the waiting room? And even this, where is God in this moment? And so right there, right in the waiting room, right in that moment, I think that's where God wants to meet us. That's where God wants to change us. And so how do we live in the meantime? How do we live when life is sort of put on pause? Well, I've got two things for us here uh, tonight. The first is uh, to lament our losses. 
This is sort of a lost art in the world today. We want to be happy, we want to be excited, we want to be uh, joyful, but I don't think many of us really understand the power of lament. Matthew 26, uh, verse 20 says, When it was evening, he reclined at table with the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to him, one after another, Is it I, Lord? He answered, He who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? He said to him, You have said so. So it's natural when we're in the waiting room to ask this question, What did I do to get here? I mean, did I have any part to play in this situation? Sometimes it's a a broken situation that we've done nothing to cause. We're we're simply part of the fallout of sin that's in the world around us. Other times, we are directly causing the, the situation we find ourselves in. So in that moment, in the waiting room, I think we have to start by lamenting our losses. Lamenting what is not as it should be. And acknowledging that this world is not right as it is. The pain we feel, the frustration we feel in this moment are simply pains that that show us the need for a Savior, the, the need for Jesus to come, to return, and to resurrect these dead, broken bodies. One commentary describes lament like this. It says, when we lament, we confess our humanity and concede that we are too weak to combat the world's powers, principalities, and spiritual wickedness on our own. When we lament, we declare that only God has the power to truly mend the world's pain and brokenness. I think in our lament, we identify with our brokenness and we comprehend our need for restoration. And for some of you, this is something you've never done. I mean, you need to lament your your pain and, and struggle through the pain and acknowledge the pain. And as Good Friday, we realize that this is the moment in history that our pain took full effect upon our Creator. The moment in history that Jesus felt all of our sin and all of our uh, bad decisions and all of our failures upon Himself. We read this, that the wages of sin is death. And that's what we see in Jesus on Good Friday. And not just any death, right? This is crucifixion, the most painful, terrible death that anyone could possibly have experienced in that day in time. And I don't know what you think of when you think of crucifixion. A lot of times we have this image of this very tall, 20, 30 foot tall cross and the person being crucified is up there somewhere. But crucifixion was intimate. I mean, the crowd of people would have been pushing in very close to Jesus. He, he would have been maybe only eight feet off the ground when he was crucified. You would have heard and seen and even smelled crucifixion. It was brutal. It was terrible. Good Friday is about Jesus, who died because of our sin. And part of lament is confronting our part in sending Jesus to the cross. Uh, A theologian named N.T. Wright wrote wrote for Time Magazine recently. He said this, "Uh, Rationalists, including Christian rationalists, want explanations. Romantics, including Christian romantics, want to be given a sigh of relief. But perhaps what we need more than either is to recover the biblical tradition of lament. Lament is what happens when people ask why and don't get an answer. 
And sometimes that's exactly where we need to be. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. So lament is not just grief for grief's sake. We don't want to simply walk around sad just to be sorrowful. It's a godly grief. It's this grief in the presence of God that recenters our, our, ourselves and removes fear and shows us that our hope is in Jesus alone. Because grief alone, without Jesus, it just leads to death. It leads to shame. It leads to hopelessness. And if there's one thing we need to remember as God's church today, it's that there is hope. That hope is here. And although we are on Good Friday, we also celebrate the resurrection that is to come. And so don't rush through lament. Don't rush through the acknowledgement of your sin. Let's embrace that moment right now. I've got a friend who's a chaplain and uh, he got a phone call one day because as a chaplain, you deal with all of these different uh, situations, people uh, losing loved ones and, and counseling people through marital problems. And he got a call one day from a man who said, hey, uh, chaplain, I would love to help uh, and, and just walk people through the loss of a child. And so the chaplain was like, well, that's, I'm glad you're offering that help. That's a good thing to want to help with. And, and yet through the conversation, he realized there was something wrong with this man and wrong with what he was saying. It just, it was coming off really weird. And so he, he asked him, uh, well, why do you want to help with that? And he said, well, you know, I lost a child once. And he goes, okay, that makes sense. Uh, you know, you've gone through the loss of a child. So you want to help someone else who's walking through that. And he asked the man, how long ago did you lose your child? And the man said, Friday. It had just been like a few days since this man had lost his child and he was rushing on to try to go, you know, help other people, which is, is, is something that we want to do at some point. But as this chaplain encouraged this man, and as I want to encourage you, there is a time to lament, a time to, to mourn the brokenness in the world, and even to acknowledge that we all, to some degree or another, are complicit with the things that are broken around us. That in some degree or another, we have participated in the sin that we also are feeling upon ourselves right now. So the first thing when it comes to dealing with the waiting room is lament our losses. Lament and acknowledge that we don't like to be here. This isn't where we want to be and yet we will leave this space at some point. The second thing I want to encourage you to do is to remember God's faithfulness. Luke twenty-two, fourteen, 14, it says, and when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. So what Jesus is doing and what's been set up here is the Passover meal. Good Friday is the celebration of of the Passover. Now, if you don't know what the Passover is, I want to tell you a little bit about it. See, Israel had been in Egypt in bondage for over 400 years, and they've been oppressed, they've been enslaved, and then God delivers them by the leadership of Moses through plagues. So these plagues come, and then Pharaoh finally, through these plagues, releases God's people. And the final plague, if you guys remember the story, was the death of the firstborn. 
that this angel of death came and would kill the firstborn of every family, the firstborn uh, of any animal, unless you had sacrificed a lamb and splattered the blood on the doorpost and side beams of your house, which can we just acknowledge that's pretty gross, right? (laughs) It just seems like, why would anyone do this? This sounds disgusting. But this celebration of the Passover was still being celebrated in Jesus's day. And it was the celebration of this reality that sin leads to death, but God will ultimately rescue his people. And so we know that in the waiting room, that sin leads to death and and whatever we're experiencing in the waiting, that there's some loss there, but ultimately God is faithful. He's been faithful before and he will be faithful again. And so in this moment, this is Thursday where the meal's going on. And the next day, the tradition was that somewhere between the hour of of three and six o'clock, tens of thousands of lambs would be slaughtered as a symbol of God's faithfulness for the Passover meal. And with every lamb, and with all the, I mean, this was a horrific moment, and you could probably hear the animals dying around the city. I mean, it was just pretty terrible. But in all of that, the, the question was, when will this come to an end? When will our Savior finally come? We're celebrating what God did in the past, but we also know that God will come and rescue his people in the future. And so we have, we have Jesus here celebrating the Passover with his disciples, this Passover feast. And also what Jesus is doing is commemorating the very first communion. The very first communion. So we have uh, some, some juice and maybe you've got some wine. I'd love for you to just take a minute. And, and pour some wine with your family or, you know, if it's just you in a dorm room or an apartment, just pour yourself a glass of wine and, and, and we're going to participate in this together. So traditionally in the Passover meal, there would have been four glasses of wine, which were probably diluted a little bit because uh, I'll tell you, I'm not preaching if I'm drinking four glasses of wine, that's for sure. But then after the first cup, I was reading this week, they would traditionally wash their hands And ceremonial hand-washing was to indicate the need to be cleansed. And the thing is, they had to keep doing it. Now, all of this was these symbols of the cleansing and the cleaning and and these rituals to to remember that there was a need to be purified. But in every time you would uh, would do one of these things, you would think to yourself, man, do do I have to keep going? Do I have to keep washing my hands and and participating in these same ceremonies? And, And what we know about Jesus is he would be the Passover lamb. Jesus would be the sacrifice over all sacrifices, the one who would come and make all of that obsolete so that we could celebrate that Jesus is ultimately enough. I was flying back from Seattle when all of this COVID-19 stuff hit. And about every two minutes, I would be like, I smell Purell. Like every two minutes, because somebody behind me, because they were in fear of the sickness, they were just cleaning their hands, right? You know, maybe they touched nothing, but maybe you're at a workplace like this where every five minutes, somebody's just washing their hands because there's this feeling that you're still kind of dirty, right? There still could be sickness on you, even if you just washed your hands. And that's what sin does, is it makes us feel like we're always sort of dirty and always sort of sick. In this text, the word is used poured out, that the wine is poured out. And in the Greek in that simply means to bestow liberally. That's what it means to bestow liberally. In verse 19, it says, and he took bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood.
And so right now in your home, you've got a glass of wine. Maybe you've got some bread. If you don't, you can go grab something. And I'd like to give you just a moment. And we're just going to take a sip of the wine. And then we're going to have some bread. And I want you to, in this moment right now, I want you to break the bread. And I want you to consider what Christ has done for you. So let's do this together. So in this moment, Jesus sits at this table with his disciples. Um, He knew everything was changing. All the traditions, all that had come before, that things would never be the same. As Jesus begins this new tradition of communion, this celebration of not something that just happened in the past, not that moment that God showed up years and years and years ago, but that Jesus is here right now. And that he would change the world's history forever. And he would change your history and my history for all of eternity. This is the end of all the rituals. It's the end of all the sacrifices. It's the end of all the altars and all the temple had to offer. It's the end of the priesthood, the end of the holy place, the end of the holy of holies. And God would split the curtain from top to bottom, if you remember the story, and throw it wide open for everybody to walk in and out. That's what Jesus did in his crucifixion and leading into his resurrection. In that text we just read, he says, do this in remembrance of me. And this struck me this week as as we break the bread. What does he mean by this? I think that we've always thought it just means communion. But a lot of scholars think it means something more when he says, do this. What if by this, he means not just the ritual, but the breaking and the pouring, that we ourselves would would actually be broken and poured out in remembrance of Jesus? What if Jesus wasn't only trying to institute some kind of new tradition for Christians to celebrate still today, but he was actually giving us a model of what it would look like to be people who live this life, the life of Christ, every single day of our lives? That we would be broken and poured out like a living communion everywhere we go. And what if Jesus wasn't saying simply act broken, but simply be broken and poured out in such a way that we identify with Christ and that our friends and neighbors can identify Christ within us. He says, this is the new covenant in my blood. This is a big deal. What is the new covenant? It's this, that God forgives sinners not by the works of the law, not by going to church or even by watching church, 
Not by serving in a ministry or giving some money, but simply by the finished work of Jesus. No more washing. No more sacrifices. No more waiting in the waiting room. The Savior has come and the work is done. And I was thinking about in this current moment, there's going to be a time where we're going to see something on the news and it's going to say something like this. The vaccination is finally found, right? You're finally ready to leave the waiting room. Like we're going to move on from this. And in that moment, there's going to be video of people shouting in the streets, people honking their horns going down the road. Friends will be reunited with friends. The church is going to open its doors. You see, Good Friday takes on a whole new meaning when you're in the waiting room, but it declares that help is on the way and that one day there will be victory that we are able to celebrate together. And we want to know when it's coming. But instead, here in the waiting, we simply need to know that God is working in the waiting. That's all we need to know right here. What if instead of waiting for things to change, to feel some sense of peace or joy, What if waiting for things to change in your life, way beyond this virus, but in whatever you're waiting for, what if instead of waiting for things to change, we could simply know that God is working in the waiting? And I really believe that right now God is at work in incredible ways in our world to wake us up to the reality of his presence and to his call to something better. So right now, listen, we may not have answers. We may not know what's coming, But what we do have is God's grace. And we can celebrate that Jesus did come and die, but he was also resurrected. And here in a couple days, that's that's the story that we will uh, shout from the rooftops, is that Jesus is alive. And the same grace that's been enough for every other area of your life will be enough for whatever you find yourself waiting for right now. So what gets us through the waiting room? Grace. That's it. I mean, even Paul, like he asks for God to take away his sin. He says, I've got this thorn in my flesh, this thing that just tears me up night and day. God, take it from you. And he says that God's response is simply, my grace is sufficient for your weakness. In fact, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And so that's what we stand together in the waiting room today, knowing that while we're waiting, God's grace is absolutely enough. And so here's what I want to do together here tonight. And this might push you or challenge you a little bit, but I I just would encourage you because you've got some stuff that you're waiting on. You've got some things that you wish God would take away and and change. Maybe right now it's, it's something, like I mentioned earlier, the desire for a child, the need for a job, the need for freedom from some kind of addiction. I don't know what it is. It's a maybe a medical condition, but But what if tonight on this Good Friday, in the waiting, we simply declared together that Jesus is enough and that his grace is greater than that. And so what I want you to do is here in the comment section below, if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, would you go into the comment section? And I just want you to write the word grace and then use the little greater than sign. Grace is greater than whatever it is that right now you're waiting for. And just declare together, and we're going to do this together, that Jesus is enough and that he's at work in the waiting. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much that you meet us in the darkest times. And really at the darkest moment in all of human history, that's where the light pierced through in the form of Jesus. God, forgive us for living in hopelessness when 
we have you within us. I want to pray for the man or woman who might be watching this uh, tonight, who has lived without hope and who has never fully trusted in you. God, could tonight be the night that we declare publicly and even within our own hearts that your grace is fully enough for us. So God, would you forgive us? God, would you heal the broken parts of our souls? God, would you you move us forward through all of the the, the backstory, God, the so many different pains and things that we've been through? God, would you move us forward through those things that we might be reunited with you as our Savior, God, and with others as your church? So God, change our hearts. And God, we look forward to Sunday where we celebrate that Jesus is alive. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks for watching this message from ACF Church. Uh, We hope it's encouraged you and challenged you to be more like Jesus and to walk with Him in a closer and more profound way. If you'd like to give to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so at the link on the screen or at acfak.org. We love you and we'll see you next week.